Hello geeks, otakus, fanboys, and fangirls. Welcome to another edition of The Talking Pop. It's the podcast where two brothers with two different personalities discuss pop culture news, video games, and more, and every week something new comes to the table. I'm Afonso Berrigan, a.k.a. The Franchise, and across from me is my co-host, my brother. Andy, how's it going, guys? And, of course, uh, today's topic today, pretty much we're closing out Bat Month, um, Batman Month, so if you know, last weekend was Batman Day. And, of course, uh, we try to finish watching the animated series, and then me and my bro decided, you know what, let's start watching the 60s Batman, because I just got the complete series audition on Blu-ray, and plus the, the movie, but right now we're starting with like, the first season, so... So far, we saw the first six episodes, so introduces to the Riddler, the Penguin, and the Joker, all played by great veteran actors. And pretty much the whole thing is about is going to be about pretty much our reactions to the, the Batman 60s TV show, how it compares into the 90s animated series, and pretty much how it holds up today. So, if you want, my bro Andy, if you want to start it off. Um, so, we ended up watching the first couple episodes, as Fon said, and... Um the first episode was about the Riddler, which, uh, from this, uh, adaptation of Batman, since it was the first sort of, um, exposure we had of Batman as kids, because, uh, we would watch it before we'd go to school. Um, we both had to go to Catholic school as children, um, believe what you will, our parents put us in there because it was convenient where we lived and, uh, kept us out of trouble, I guess you could say. Um, but we were there, and the first thing they would show in the mornings would be Batman um, and Three Stooges and stuff. So we were exposed to a lot of different, a lot of those old type of shows um, that was on TV. Because uh, there was only a few channels that were actually showing shows in that early in the morning. And we're talking like 6 or 7 as kids getting ready for school. Like we would make our lunch first, and then like we would have a half hour or so. Um, to watch TV or something because we lived across the street from the school, so we're never gonna be late. Let's be honest. Um, so we oh, and our our mother raised us to be kind of independent in a very early age. So she taught us what we had to do from the first day of school, and then you know let us just go from there. And so the one show we would watch would either be Three Stooges or Batman. And back then they would show Batman reruns. Uh, currently, but they would mainly show it like either Saturday mornings or dur- early in the mornings. Um, I do remember they did show Three Stooges a lot more than Batman because it was just like Batman was probably the earlier part of the hour, and then they would just they wouldn't really and then they just go straight to Three Stooges. But um, anyways, the first episode we would watch would would be the Riddler in the first is the first enemy that Batman encounters. So you know uh, that's like the pilot episode of the series, and the way. They had set up the original 60s Batman. It's like they each episode dealt with the plot, but it would be two-part episodes. So it would introduce the enemy, that the you know the, the antagonist that Batman would be facing. Um, it gives you a brief description of like how Gotham comes in, and, and it shows you kind of you know the aristocratic part of Gotham, and um, it also shows you the role that Batman plays along the city, and um, he's definitely viewed more as a crime fighter in here, so, but he works well, like, you know, he works with the police, he's, there's Commissioner Gordon, um, and this is obviously just a very rough general synopsis of what I got from it, um, but I know Fonz has way more, he has the, at least according to Wikipedia, what uh, describes the show and what went into it, um, go ahead. Yeah, like like I said, the first um, pilot episode was, like I said, the first two seasons of the Batman 60 show, they did twice a week. 
And normally the show doesn't do like twice a week, so what they do is they film like both back episodes back to back, and of course they split them between days, but they show one day after the other. And of course in the third season they end up like doing it once a week, like the standard what normal television is today. They always show one episode once a week. And for this one, like I said, like my bro Andy was saying, that pretty much the first one was the joke was the Riddler, and the first episode was called "Hey, Hi, um, Did a Riddle." So basically, it opens up, you know, at the Republic of Moldavia, which obviously it's a fictional country. They're having an exhibit that Gotham City's warfare, and of course, there's a prime minister, and then there's a cake. And apparently, cake explodes for some reason, and of course, um, what's cool about the Gotham Police is like. And the, you know, like Gang of Batman, you know, the comic in the early 1940s and 50s was kind of dark. You know, Batman was hurting people and the police somewhat didn't accept them. But of course, to adapt a character such as Batman to television and also appealing to a lot to a TV audience, like a family, and having kids, like basically the whole family watching. Yeah, they had to have it a little campy. They had to make it like campy and, you know, colorful because it was one of the first shows in color. Because it was like 66 is when the show premiered, appearing on January 12th, 1966 on ABC. Even though Fox Studios was the production company behind it, and of course Bill Dozer, Bill Dozer gets the credit because he's the one that brought Adam West to be Batman, basically. It's like, they brought him, they brought Boyd Ward, they brought these great veteran actors, Burgess Meredith, Cesar Romero, Frank Gorshin, Julie Neymar, the couple of Vincent Price later on comes down the show, um... Many actors that you know are surprised. George, I think, um, well, was Milton Burrow comes out later on. In later seasons, Eartha Kitt. You know, a lot of veteran actors come on this show. But going back to the pilot, so basically, Commissioner Gordon, who's played by Neil Hamilton, and then you got Chief Miles O'Hara, they suspect it's the Riddler, who's played by, like I said, great character actor Frank Gorshin. And pretty much, uh, they um, decided to uh, go ahead and call the red phone. Of course, Batman decided, like I said, the police accept Batman to the point that they even have his personal hotline, which is kind of funny in the show. Like, you have the red phone, it's underneath the glass, so they got to move the glass and hit the button, and it goes directly to Batman. Of course, Alfred answers, and he gets, you know, Bruce Wayne, of course, played by Adam West, and Burt Ward, played by, um, Robin, played by Burt Ward. So, basically, Batman has to take his voice, make it deeper, to say, like, oh, this is Batman. You know, and basically the police accept Batman and pretty much go to him for any, basically to solve any crime every week. But it's like consistency to do for each episode. Well, for the first six episodes that we've seen so far. So, um, like I said, they go after the Riddler. So basically they find him in a, of course Riddler leaves him, well, a couple of riddles. Actually, real clever riddles. So it was actually kind of good writing right there. Um, and pretty much uh, they get him, they they will go to an art gallery and pretty much they catch the Riddler pretty much in the act of taking a, like a cross, something from a proprietor. But apparently um, the Riddler says it's mine. I lend it to the museum and pretty much serves Batman a subpoena saying he's going to sue him. And of course he's going to force Batman and Robin to you know, reveal their identities. And of course at the same time, you know, Riddler is sensing, at the same time getting into Batman's head. Starts plotting more schemes and of course more riddles. And like I said, the episode was really good. I mean, it was really well shot. Of course, at times, the 60s, so the clothing was, you know, different. You know, watching it like, compared to the clothing today. Otherwise, I mean, the stunt work was great. You know, the sound, the music. You know, the dialogue was really re- well written. I mean, the Batman costumes and Robin costumes were really good. I mean, tapping from comics to, like, the screen was really, really hard. But, I mean, they had great costume designers and set designers, especially with the Batcave and all that. So, I don't know if you want to elaborate more. Uh, no, yeah, just watching it. Uh, it, it comes off rather cheesy and like it's a more positive look, Batman in the sense that he's 
working alongside with the cops and as opposed to just hiding to hide in the shadows and for them like he's still treated as a last resort for a fighting crime uh at least from what we saw in the animated series and other adaptations of batman but in this one it's more or less the cops kind of make a decision on either if they can even attempt to stop a certain level of criminal and then from there they automatically just go like you know oh it's easy we're gonna go and call batman as opposed to other adaptations where it's like you see the the sort of conflict of struggle between, excuse me, uh, between like Commissioner Gordon having to rely on Batman even though he doesn't know his intentions, uh, and what like his brand of uh, crime fighting doesn't exactly rub him the right way. But uh, in this show, it's like the cops are willing to work with him and and kind of give him his freedom because it's like he. <coughs> We kind of come into this sort of Batman universe to where he's already established as a crime fighter and he's just working with police. So it's like, that's, that's actually, I like that sort of plot vehicle to use. Um, <laughs> and so, and it goes well with the, 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 the time period because it was the 60s and they were trying to throw in, um, you know, family a family brand of entertainment and they wanted to throw a hero in there because since, you know, the Batman comics have been around since the 30s, it's just like, finally after adapting this character onto the screen and bringing color to life so it's like it also i'm sure the show helped sell tvs color tvs because like gosh like you see i mean just from looking at the blu-ray it's like they did an impeccable job um like we had just finished watching the joker episode plotline and you can even with all the damn white makeup they put on cesar romero he you could see his mustache clear as day like it's kind of funny when you catch it because you could see the outlines of the lips drawn in for the joker smile and then you could still see like a heavy black patch that they covered as much as they possibly can with white makeup. yeah because uh cesar romero at that time he kind of he yeah. didn't want to he didn't want to shave his mustache off so he had to put a lot of like i think i don't know what kind of paint it was just like white wax paint just to cover the yeah it looks like the stuff you paint your walls and and like no matter and obviously at that time we wouldn't be able to see it and it'd be, they can get away yeah, with it but like getting well, hd yeah. price and but with hd quality today you could see even the tiniest wrinkle now i mean yeah but they, i mean when they came out with this box that was really great how they remastered batman to hd and of course, they kept in the, the the original ratio that was shown on television. You know, not the widescreen, but just the regular, you know, standard viewpoint because that's how it was at the time. I mean, TVs in the '60s weren't that big. I think they were like 20 inch TVs, I yeah, think, I at that time. But like going back to my version, I mean, yeah, it was campy. You know, it, it had to appeal to the family. And like I said, and of course, there's one thing I kind of like how they throw in little less life lessons yeah. because there's one scene Batman and. Riddler, uh, Batman, and Robin are pursuing uh, one of um, Riddler's like cohorts, like in a disco. And of course, Robin is, is underage, so he can't go in. You gotta be twenty-one to go into a disco. But of course, according to the Wikipedia here in the first episode, um, Burt Ward was nineteen at the time of filming, so to make it like say, oh, young kids can't go into disco at that time. So, so Batman, he had to stay behind in the car. Batman to go in, of course. And, of course, we get to see Batman doing the Batootsie, basically dancing, and, of course, it inspired the GIF that you see now today. People use the GIF as a as a comical thing, but, yeah, you get to see Batman dancing, which is kind of rare to see in, even in the animated series, and now you, you don't want to see Batman dancing. <laughs> no, please. There'd be, like, Batman's not the same Batman he was in the 60s, but, like, yeah, it was fine to see it, and um, uh, we're obviously referring to the first episode, like, and then we'll definitely talk about the other ones, but... Um, I do like the portrayal of the Riddler in here, uh, because I think he has, he definitely, 
he definitely plays on the outwitting game with Batman, and um, this show does a good job of kind of building up uh, the antagonists and their abilities to just like commit these crimes, and um, because obviously, as as you'll notice when you watch that, the the formula kind of follows each, throughout each episode. Like the first part is mainly the Batman meets his antagonist. And then they, they try to stop him. They catch him at a scene of a crime. And, like, they kind of go through a conflict of... They struggle to catch him the first time. Or they find that the the criminals try to s- separate the Boy Wonder and Batman together. Uh, through some sort of trap or, or some sort of weird clue that leads them to an ambush. Or, a tr- you know, it's just... So you, f- you see this formula right away just within the first couple episodes. Um, so they kind of follow that. And that's just within the first step part of it. And then, like, the second episode, which it still follows the same antagonist, but it kind of wraps up that sort of that sort of plot line within those two episodes for him. So it's like, obviously, the going with the TV environment now, we get, we get shows that are 40-something minutes long. And we get, and although they don't cover each plot point, they do some sort of wrapping of development. And this one, since they split it into two episodes, you get, you know, it's not always going to be, oh, Batman's going to save the day right away at the at the end. Which I do enjoy that, like at least in the first part, they do show that he does struggle with fighting these enemies, as opposed to like, oh man, Batman's got all these gadgets and he's got everything to solve problems. And although he does have it in the show, like sometimes it doesn't, it works against him or. You see that, especially within the first episode with the Riddler, that he outsmarts him. Like, that's the Riddler, and um, Frank Gorshin is just, Jesus Christ, like, it's funny. He just, he definitely shows that enthusiasm that sometimes I'm like, man, he sometimes, he's, his la- his laugh creeps me out more than the Joker's. And, uh, and sometimes, like, even after watching both these episodes, I'm thinking, maybe if they switch the roles, I think Frank Gorshin wouldn't be so bad as a Joker. Like, he, he was hopping around, he... He had a crazy funny laugh too. He was smart, and not not to take any credit from Cesar Romero, he's a great actor too. But it's like I liked his interpretation of Joker too. But like watching the Riddler go and Frank Gorshin take it, it was just interchangeable. I feel like either one can do it. Um, but yeah, Batman fights the Riddler the first episode, and he's just you, we get everything. It's great. Like we we get the the, the fight scenes, the, just the punches. Everybody's got a henchman that they always got to fight, and there's, it's always yeah. outnumbered. It's always like Batman and Robin versus at least six guys that come out of nowhere. And then of course you got the Pal Zap Crunch, like the the dialogue from the comics. They flash them out in color on the screen every time they're punching the bad guy. Or bad guys punching him, like the henchmen are punching Batman and Robin. You see Zowie, Pal Crunch, Oof. All that, and of course, like I said, boom, like, yeah, it's really great. I mean, the choreography for the fight scenes were actually really good, even though, like I said, it's television, you know, they can only do so much in television and time, you know, standards and practices were different back then as compared to today. You can do so much now that you couldn't do back then. And like I said, and of course, like I said, each episode, like the first two seasons, they have a cliffhanger, so each episode is two, se- two episodes per villain, so it's actually really great, a little consistency. And of course, like in the first episode, they always leave, like, uh, the first part, Leave a cliffhanger in the end. Of course, you have the announcer saying, you know, is Batman going to make it in time? You know, what's going to happen? You know, tune in next time. So they always have an announcer that announces what's going on and give you guys, like, a preview of what's going to happen in the next episode. And, of course, the following episode, they have, like, a recap, like, a short recap, like, what happened previously if he missed it. And, of course, like, in the first one, you know, Batman's uh, orange shoes get spiked. You know, Robin gets kidnapped by the Riddler and the Mohill gang and... Pretty much, uh, he they go in the cliffhanger where he's basically on a table, he's strapped, and 
Riddler's about to do something to him. And, of course, like I said, then the announcer says, well, Robin escaped. Can Batman find him in time? Is this the ghastly end of our dynamic duel? Answers tomorrow night. Same time, same channel. And it says one hint, the worst is yet to come. So it's like... So that's what I actually kind of like, you know. And like I said, I enjoyed it. So, I mean, now, like, we're moving it on to, like, basically the next episode, which basically is called, uh... Smack in the middle, so kind of like I like about it, it takes place today. The show's immediately to give you a little recap to it, and of course, um, it takes place that shows what happened previously. Of course, Batman was kind of drugged, so he's still recovering from being drugged, and he couldn't even drive. Like the cops said, You don't know condition to drive, Batman. And Batman's like, Oh, I gotta find Robin. So it's like he gotta work hard, and like I said, uh, even the opening sequence of the song, even the theme song is kind of catchy, you can't yeah. get stuck in your head. It's that old 60s kind of mod rock stuff. Um, but yeah, like, you, everyone's got colorful costumes. And it's just a, it's a really positive show. I mean, I do, like my brother said, he, there's life lessons they throw in there. And there's a lot of, like, human morality they throw. And just little things like that. Like, we'll catch, we get, we kind of get both sides of, um, we get to see a little bit of Bruce Wayne and Bert, or Bruce Wayne and um, Dick Grayson kind of interact with each other. And then the, as they go with the Batman costumes and they try to keep the, you know, the the charade or their, the charade of their characters and their secret identities uh, were secret. And, and you do get exposed to both sides. So I think the writers did a good job with how they constructed the episodes. Uh, we kind of, we, we see both of this, both sides of Bruce Wayne and Batman together. And uh, it's really nice. Like you just see Bruce Wayne kind of teach different, different points to, uh, Dick Grayson as like because he, he is a teenager and like I did I did like the part when he had mentioned uh, music and how it's our universal language because uh, Dick Grayson was having trouble he was just struggling with learning the piano and he was getting sick of it because he's like this is no there's no this is useless it's like I'm not gonna I'm never gonna learn the whole play the piano it's like there's no point in music and he, and then Bruce you know like he just got triggered really fast. Like what are you talking about? It's like music is our is a universal language. It's what brings us together. Um, and he says the same thing about like him about Dick Grayson struggling with learning French, French verbs and stuff. And and Dick Grayson just gets all struggle. He gets angry with that and frustrated. And Bruce Wayne brings him, you know, drops some knowledge on him and tells you know that without language, how can we communicate? And it's so important. And language is being so important with how humans can communicate and sort of engage in some sort of mutual understanding. I mean, even if we, every day, right? I'm sure you people run into people of different cultures. I mean, especially in America, uh, we, we're surrounded with different languages and cultures. And, and we kind of just walk around like, yes, English is the one that's kind of the unofficial language of this country. The but, common I mean, language, basically. I mean, but I w it's like, as far as learning other languages, I think it's very important to expand your mind. I mean, because we're, we were taught both English and Spanish at an early age, so just the way your brain thinks, is it's it's completely different um, as far as that goes. But this show is definitely, I can see how it, it appealed to kids and also to adults, because it does, with these crazy little uh, gags and how campy it is, there's also jokes they throw in and subtle little quips that, that, which was definitely for the adults viewing because it's like, it's so cheesy that you could really just it's like you laugh at it because it's so cheesy but it makes sense like just little things just the little things you notice. Um, it's like a different sort of comedy compared to a Three Stooges. It's not slapstick at all. And like no. slapstick is it's a comedy. It's comedy, but it's like you can only do physical violence so much. And Batman does have that, but. 
they get they do more so jokes with like little puns through dialogue or things being labeled or exaggerating gadgets that Batman has. Um, it, it's pretty, you know, it's a it's an interesting show considering it's the sixties and they were very creative with it. I don't know, it was funny. It was pretty funny. It's a funny show. And then of course, um, yeah. So of course, going back to the episode of Riddler, I'm basically um. They find out Riddler gives them two more clues. They finally figure out. They think uh, Riddler throws them off. And Riddler's going back to the embassy and pretty much, you know, taking this mammoth that supposedly has, like, jewels and postage stamps inside. Thinking, uh, and supposedly the last Riddle, he's, he thinks Batman and Ron went to the bank, so the police got sent to the bank. And, of course, uh, Riddler comes in wearing a gas mask that's shaped like an elephant, which is kind of hilarious. You know, he's moving around. He's more active. Like, the Riddler's, like... Even though he's smart, he's a thinker, but you know, it's like, like he said, Frank Gorshin moved a lot, and, you know, he was a fit guy, you know, and I heard, like, even I was reading the notes in the production, like, I had to find, like, for stunt people just to match his, like, movement and stuff, like, Frank Gorshin likes to move around when it comes to character-wise, and then, like I said, Batman Round, of course, they stopped the Riddler and pretty much stopped him from, like, you know, from getting away, and, of course, you know, the lawsuit is dropped, so Batman Robin escaped because Riddler didn't show up to the court hearing, so therefore lawsuit was dropped and pretty much like i said it was a fine way to start with the fine start to the series you know and they kind of get people like oh we gotta see one who's gonna face next i kind of like for the fact that batman and robin were already established that's why i like for the pilot they're already out there already it's not like oh they gotta start from the beginning so basically they said they were already batman and robin already so there's no backstory but of course bruce mentions that you know his parents were killed by by criminals that uh, it was his goal to, you know, put an end to criminals and crime and all that stuff. So, and of course, the next, like, the third episode, next two-parters basically features all Merchant's very if, if you remember, he played Mickey in the Rocky movies later on in his life. And But in here, he plays the Penguin, which, to me, honestly, was a great job. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it was, a, I mean, of course, the, the comparison to the Penguin you see in the Batman animated series, of course, that was mostly based on Danny DeVito when he portrayed the Penguin in Batman Returns. But of course, like in the voice actor for Batman for Penguin in the anime series was based on he was basing his performance from Burgess Meredith because Burgess Meredith, being the Penguin, he had more like a sophisticated type of tone. And at the same time, he was smart also. He was innovative, of course, with his umbrellas, you know. And it's kind of funny how his henchmen are named after birds, like Hawkeye, Sparrow. Like it was kind of funny, and then the umbrellas, you know, and like the one episode is called Fine Feather Finks. And he kept referring to his bill, to his henchman, his fight, my his fine feather finks, and that was kind of cool. I mean, Burgess Meredith did a good job as the penguin. Of course, you hear the laugh like whack 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 whack, and the walk. He did the waddle, so it was kind of hilarious. Every time he was like the, the waddle, and of course, uh, of course, Burgess Meredith had to wear like a prosthetic nose because of course the nose on the penguin was kind of long. Tried to give that whole semblance that he's like a bird, basically. So if you want to add anything to the penguin, what do you think of him? Um. The Penguin's never been my f- most favorite enemy. I, I honestly, I mean, from the Batman news, I, I know he's he's definitely a an important character to the universe. I've just never been a fan of the Penguin. I think he's kind of a boring character. And this episode, it was like the plot line for it was kind of like it was. He's an interesting character. He's he's he runs an umbrella shop. Uh, that's a front for his crime schemes because he's trying to figure out what's the next best thing to kind of get Batman out of, uh, kind of get Batman out of the way. And 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 the Penguin's sort of an, this aristocratic wannabe guy, and that like he wants to commit these crimes, but they got to be of class, you know, of of high regard. And and 
so he always has that chip on his shoulder for that. And uh, we, we entered the scene with him kind of running a fake little umbrella raffle, sort of. Like, you're walking there, these people are walking to the jewelry store, and so he hands, he has his hand, henchman hand umbrellas to to the customers, and it ends up being a big trick and scam, because, like, the umbrellas just go nuts, and they start exploding everywhere, and which I still don't get the point of, that why that happens, because they call Batman and Robin to come, and everything's just happening, it's like, they get there, it's like, oh, this umbrella, this, this guy latched some late umbrellas and started exploding, like, I don't understand how that was a crime, but just because it's, like, just exploding in a random jewelry store, and it wasn't, like, explosions, it was just, like, sparklers and, and smoke bombs or something and like smoke that. stuff, like, it wasn't really crazy, I don't understand what the crime, what crime was, but... But I kind of like the colorful smoke, though, <laughs> the colorful yeah. smoke was kind of cool, though. It's, uh, and so, they fight each other, and... The penguin for me is just like like I said, it's he he's he's one of the more boring antagonists for me. Like I can't, I never I never really liked him. Like it's it's I like other enemies that he faces, uh, but the episode is okay. Like, yeah, it was alright episode. Yeah, we end up seeing uh, some movie star that they make up um, within the Gotham universe, and uh, Batman and Robin obviously go and try to foil him because. Each antagonist has their henchmen, so they gotta deal with the penguin and the henchmen, and he definitely uses his umbrella, and they, it's funny, because they get into an umbrella fight, like, they're fencing, and it's just, it's it's cheesy, <laughs> but it's great, because it's like, he does use his, that's, that's the weapon that the penguin uses and walks around with, so, like, uh, it's an interesting, it's, it's funny and creative that they took what I think is a really dumb idea for making the penguin a criminal and just kind of like went with it in the sense that he was using the umbrellas for crime and and it really wasn't that exaggerating and the only crime i honestly think he committed is when he was trying to hold the movie star hostage yeah that was the only crime yeah because because the problem is was batman very much gave it away because basically the penguin you know he was using the funny thing is like one of batman and robin have gained this umbrella called the bat umbrella and apparently uh it had a radio inside, so basically he was pretty much forcing Batman to actually give him the idea of what to do. And Batman, you know, they didn't know it was a radio that inside at that time. So it ends up, you know, pretty much giving him the idea. The crime man let's go kidnap this movie star. His famous movie stars in town, let's go kidnap her. Because if she's kidnapped, you know, the studio has to pay, you know, money because she's not there. You know, it will cost the production money. And it's funny, just to, just for them to go across from the buildings and there in, like, freaking giant umbrellas, basically, going across, which was hilarious. You know, we got Burgess Meredith, the penguin, like, going across, and the henchman, of course, and then, you know, Batman and Robin got there first, but at the same time, they end up getting, like, the penguin's just a man, and it pretty much gets Batman and Robin trapped under utility belts onto the wall, while he, while Penguin knocks out the agent and, like, knocks out the aid, the personal agent and the movie star um pretty much kidnaps her and of course you know they get the ransom and all that stuff and pretty much you know batman finally figures out about the umbrella and pretty much ends up tricking the penguin at the end but honestly it was a great episode it was a good it was an okay episode but like i said penguin he's to me honestly he's not one of my top batman villains but to me it's the joker and ray shall go probably like the top ones for me because uh, we shall go, of course, it's more personal with uh, Batman. And, of course, Joker has always been, like, Batman's all-time arch nemesis. I mean, Penguin, to me, is all right. But, like I said, the, you know, not take it away from the performance of the actors who portray the Penguin, uh, Bridget Smith, who portrays the Penguin. But he's an all right villain. I mean, the episode wasn't that bad. And, of course, the movie starts at the end until falling in love. She meets Bruce Wayne because they have a little party and stuff. 
And, you know, she goes to find a place and finds out that she fell in love with Batman. And we know she always saw Batman for a few seconds <laughs> before she was <laughs> unconscious. So she fell in love with him, of course. Which brings us to the, the most recent episode we saw today, which basically the two-parter with the Joker. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, like, the the Joker episode is, is titled Joker's Wild. Um, it kind of starts off as we see Joker play, uh, being a pitcher at a, at a jailhouse baseball game. And, <laughs> and it's in front of all the wardens, I'm guessing. And the Chief O'Hara's the, there, too. The, the Chief O'Hara, um, who is one of the... the Executive Chiefs there at the police for Gotham City, uh, and they they just we just see Joker laughing hysterically as he's throwing pitches as a pitcher, and it's like what Joker playing baseball? That's so cheesy. Like we never think we'd see that, but he's playing baseball and he's just throwing strike after strike. It's insane. And uh, to open to that kind of scene is like it's like this show does a good job of kind of bringing more or less realistic situations with these characters. So, you know, we already see that Joker's been in jail, so he must have been fooled beforehand by the Batman. So we already, with this episode starting off with, and subliminally, at least what I feel they're showing us, is that Joker and Batman have probably squared off in the past, as a, as opposed to the other characters who, he, he knew about their names and whatnot, but, like, the dialogue within the, with as the characters speak, they have to kind of introduce them with their their taglines as their enemies sort of thing like oh it's the clown prince of crime or the or the the penguin i, I can't they use puns right so like i went to the joker because that's the most recent one i just watched and i always remember that one but they they have to like they they create exposition that way and with this one it's like he didn't have to say the clown prince of crime it was actually the joker who says it later on the second one and like they already refute to that crazy clown so it's like subliminally the writers were already trying to create that, like, this is Batman's going his most dastardly foe that he has to deal with. And, um, the episode's great. Like, we see that Joker is trying to get the upper hand on him and trying to, he... He ends up making his own, like, utility belt, which yeah, is kind of funny because he has the little Joker thing on the belt right there, the emblem. Yeah, he's, like, trying to copy Batman because he's so, he's so enamored with Batman's belt and, and that's what things that keep spoiling him, like, uh... Is that Batman has all these gadgets, so he's always prepared no matter what situation, and so he liked that. And uh, as because the first time when they meet in there, um, they they try to find Batman and Robin were leading were led through clues of the Joker escaping prison, and that he was gonna go and infiltrate a comedy museum. A museum like the Gotham Museum had like a comedy yeah. hall of fame or something like that. Something like that, and so they had a bunch of busts and statues of former comedians and. So they were trying to look for Joker, and they arrive, and there's still people walking around the museum and stuff. So it's like it's still open hours, and they get there right when there's a little bit to close, and so they didn't see the Joker anywhere, and and he got him that time. But he they, he noticed as he creates his little group of henchmen that the utility belt is what makes Batman unique, and that's really that all his powers from that utility belt because he's so prepared for anything. And so that's when the Joker does, goes and remakes his own little utility belt, you know, complete with this face drawn in the front of it, which is pretty great because, you know, the Batman once got the little bat wing signal on it and it's just, or symbol. And it's funny because it's like, wow, now the Joker's got a utility belt. And it, it works, you know, they, he drives Batman crazy just within the first half hour of that first episode. Like, it's crazy how... Like, we didn't get much fighting in that first episode. It was a lot no, more It was just a little bit, but not much. Um, but Joker, 
Joker was just within the the first episode. He was already driving them nuts because he was he had clues too. He was leading them on to these chases that, like, just said the Riddler would do is he would his main thing would be sending him all these clues. But the Joker, like, he would do subliminal cues, but it wouldn't be like some sort of actual riddle game. So, like, the both characters, you kind of see the similarities between the Riddler and the Joker in the sense of how they use sort they try to outwit their they try to outwit the Batman and Robin and with with kind of just being one step ahead. Um, but the Joker, obviously, all he loves is just getting a laugh out of it. Because <laughs> he doesn't have no... He has no other motive for crime. He just... It's fun for him. He just wants to drive Batman insane. And he just... And he's fun. And he's and here, he's got goals as opposed to an animated series. But, you know, it's because you, you don't have a lot of time with 22 minutes and it's live action. But, um... The, definitely the Joker episode is one of my favorites. Uh, it gets really ridiculous, too, at least the part two. And then, of course, they use that Pagliacci thing. That's pretty much, you see a guy with, like, the Pagliacci, the clown costume and, the, like, that rubber mask. So, because it's kind of funny how you hear the the music going and, like, the mouth is not moving. So, it was, it was kind of hilarious. But, of course, you got Pagliacci, which has honestly been used, overused so many times in TV shows. Everyone knows the song and, like, the the concept of it. And of course, Joker, and he ends up taking a mask, and it's the Joker there at the studio, and pretty much it was a way to lure Batman in. And then they got this one guy that people are watching at this bar, and this guy's like all drunk and so which is kind of hilarious. He's like, oh, that guy looks like my mother, that's my mother, that guy looks like my mother-in-law. And then it's like, I don't know what the necessary this guy was. I think he was just there for comedy relief, but it was still kind of hilarious. You know, like, he was not drunk, but you could tell by the way by us looking at it, like, yeah, he was buzzed. But, um, mm. that one dude at the bar, you know, pretty much, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah he was like, to oh, that's my mother-in-law, and, uh, but, you know, he's gonna get him. Uh, you could tell he was drunk, but I think he was just put in there for comedy relief. And, of course, it got to the point, you know, Batman and Robin get hit with sneezing powder, and they get overwhelmed by the villains, and, you know, Joker's, like, threatening, oh, I'm gonna pull off their masks, see who they really are, and, of course... It goes to the next cliffhanger, which brings us to the next episode called Batman is Wild, and pretty much it's like, you know, it was good play on words when it comes to these title episode title cards, you know, the Joker is wild, and the Batman is wild, so it's like, pretty much, uh, you know, he was about to take Batman's mask off, and of course, Batman having the utility bond, always prepared, you know, using the smoke bond, and try to get him, but of course, Joker has the upper hand, because he uses his gadgets from his utility belt, until the point that they capture it again, they go to another TV studio, and, of course, Joker comes up with a show called What's My Crime, which was kind of <laughs> hilarious. That was pretty funny seeing him. Like I said, Cesar Romero, I mean, honestly, you know, you can tell probably by Mark Hamill's portrayal, he took some cues from Cesar Romero, you know, which comes, like, the laugh. You can tell the, the similarities between the laugh. Of course, I mean, don't get it wrong, Jack Nicholson did a good job as the Joker, but Jack Nicholson was portraying more like a darker version of the Joker when there was the Tim Burton Batman movies. Uh, Timber and Batman movie, but honestly, I could tell like Mark Hamill took a lot of it from you know from Cesar Romero's portrayal of the Joker, especially with the laugh, and the mannerisms, and the movements. Um, and like I said, and it gets to the point that you know they try you know Batman like you know they end up like going after the Joker like in this boat or something because I guess they were trying to take like the SS Gotham was having his maiden voyage and pretty much it was another fight scene. Of course, you know Batman Robin ended up overcoming the Joker, but. I would say that fight scene was actually kind of long, though. Yeah, it was a lot longer than the other ones. And he had a couple more henchmen. Yeah, he had more henchmen, like, of course. And the difference was it was funny because all those henchmen were named after famous comedians. So mm-hmm. it was kind of crazy. <laughs> Stan Laurel, 
Stan, Lauren Hardy, you know, yeah, Billy C. Fields. Yeah, the Penguin had his names for his henchmen. Sparrow, Sparrow, Hawkeye. Yeah. At least they give some props to the henchmen, even though they're just supporting characters and all they're there for. It's just to take I mean, they had some dialogue, so it was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's, like, it's, it's cool that they at least give... I mean, I like how they're running the theme of just let's have the one the one antagonist who's just the leader of the ring, and then he's just a couple of henchmen, and he can name them whoever he wants. So, like that that won't go away from the formula. So, like if you get bored with that sort of thing, and it's like you not you haven't seen a sitcom before, then I don't know what you're expecting, because um, it's like if it's the '60s and they couldn't get away with as much stuff as we see now. I mean. We've gone from this type of stuff to being able to say shit and ass and stuff, at least on the TV now. And I had read just the other day, not to go off on a crazy tangent, but FX is going to allow, or FX, I'm sorry, AMC is going to start allowing um, the the 9 o'clock or so broadcast of The Walking Dead. They're going to allow them to say the F word now, um, oh, which, is, is, which is sitting very well with Negan fans because... If anybody reads The Walking Dead not, or they the have comic graphic yeah. novels, he says fuck like every other every other um, story block. Like just that's just Negan, that's his character. Like he's saying that shit because he's just a hard ass. That's just who he is. And then the show, you would watch it, and it, it's like he he can't couldn't express that type of dialogue and that type of character how Negan is because he's just that's his his highway or the highway kind of deal with his ring. Uh, but anyways, like, you, you know, when you're comparing the two periods, it's like that time they, they did what they could. And even then, they're, I feel like they were stretching it with the whole having Batman going to clubs or and him being funky, even though he ordered a big glass of orange juice. But, like, <laughs> like they they were sneaking in some things. They were trying, and they had little quips, even even with Joker or with uh, Robin's puns for each situation. Like, they, they have little comedy bits in there to where it's like, wow, um... They were being cheesy even when they were trying to push the line. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the series, because um, as far as television goes for the Batman adaptations, this was the one that springboarded it. Like, they're, I mean, it, it went from, what, 60-something years until at the, at the 1960s, and then from there all the way to the 90s. So we're talking about what, almost a thirty, maybe a thirty-year or so gap until we saw another Batman on TV that wasn't either a feature movie or part of something else. Like we would only see in, in his yeah, Tim the, Burton adaptations. Yeah, because nineteen ninety. That's what I said. Like basically after that, after the show in nineteen sixty-eight, pretty much we didn't see anybody could have taken the character anywhere at that point. Then, it's like he didn't go anywhere, but then nobody was willing to give it a shot and see. Like, because I mean, Batman's one of those. One of those characters that anybody can relate to. I mean, they made... And I don't know if people... Hopefully there's any readers out there, but there's a lot of shows that have gotten the the sort of psychological evaluation treatment. And there's been pe- there's authors who release sort of like these psychological analyzations of these shows. Like, there's one for Game of Thrones. There's one for... There's one for The Lord of the Rings. There's one for Batman. There's, there's like the psychology of uh, Deadpool. There's a psychology of all these freaking characters... On the psychology of The Walking Dead, and it's like we just you get kind of an in-depth analysis from, um, you know, trained psychologists and psychiatrists and the, how they see the show, and it's pretty great. And they have, and I recommend seeing the Batman one because there's so many things to relate to this character. And I also appreciate the '60s Batman because, like, he he does the one time he announces that his like his sort of motive for fighting crime it was within the first dialogue or the first episode. He, as he's, like, sitting in his conference, kind of his, like, in a meeting, with, he's held at his mansion, 
uh, between his board of staff, I'm guessing, and he had mentioned, like, that, you know, I have to... Something about, like, how he has to engage in these... Like, you know, he's glad Batman's out there to save the day because he wants to see the criminals who slain his parents come to justice sort of thing. Obviously, he knows he's Batman, but to his boardroom... You know, he's just, just Bruce a, Wayne. He's just Bruce Wayne, you know, multimillionaire philanthropist. Bachelor, so, you know. Bachelor of the night. And so... You know, it's it's great to see that they're not laying it so heavy, and it's like we see his motive, and it goes from there. So, like, their expositions for each character is pretty self-explanatory in general, which is fine, because they get out of the way, and they kind of just move the plot by showing Batman and Robin, like, solving the solving the crimes, um, as opposed to the animated series. And I, I, it's very, this show's very important, man. I think it's very important for people to see it. Um... And because it, it makes you appreciate how far we come technologically, how far we come as a society when it comes to accepting things, even if it's not even a society for accepting things, but just what are what are these TV studios willing to allow or run on TV? And obviously, we can see the change from the years. And um, I recommend seeing all these old classic shows. There's some great shows from the '60s. You learn a lot that what like what they're trying to teach the public and what they want our kids to know. And I mean, it's such it's a very family. F- friendly show and like even i feel like kids would like it now uh and would you know give hopefully show them a, a deeper appreciation for the technology they have and that, that they're able to go with ipads and all this stuff and i don't know i i recommend this show for people even if, even if you get sick of the campiness and whatnot yeah and of course you know i mean i mean there is the movie itself which takes place after the first season of batman so, yeah, they were able to do a feature-length picture of, you know, Batman Robin. And this time they had, like, you know, them against Catwoman, Riddler, and, you know, Joker. It's the first time you see all the villains together. Because, like I said, each episode had Batman fighting a specific villain. But in the movie, he ends up fighting, you know, all four of them. He ends up fighting Penguin, Joker, Catwoman, and the Riddler. And they all team up and, you know, and it's up to Batman Robin to save the day. So I do recommend that movie also. I know you'll be able to find that movie easily. Because I think that was the first thing you were able to find easily. Like I said, it took a long time just to bring Batman, bring the show to Blu-ray. You know, people were asking when the Blu-ray was going to happen, when they're going to do it. It's because people don't realize when it comes to like old, these old TV shows or any old shows, like even animated works. You know, they have to. It's all about rights. Like who owns this? And of course, the actors who gave the performance, they that's like their descendants have to get you know some kind of royalty based on the sales, you know, the likeness and all that stuff. And of course, like even though like. Batman is, is under DC Comics, which of course is owned by Warner Bros. Fox Studios and Grey Productions were in a collaboration. You know, Fox had the rights to the show, and of course, even though AB, it was on ABC, but Fox Studios had the rights to that TV show, so they had to, like Warner Bros. had to find some way to get those rights back to be able to release this. And of course, um, bringing Adam West, so I believe the, the, the Blu-ray edition has like commentary, which is actually really cool. So you get commentary from Adam West, which is actually great. To bring him and also get the rights to the characters, you know, I mean, the, the actors who portray these characters like Susan Romero, Julie Neymar, all those that get their, you know, permission, hey, we're going to release this, um, we'll give you guys like a little royalty and pretty much get a, a piece of it, so, and finally, you know, it took some time, but it finally came out, but me, um, like I said, I finally got it this year, it's not like, you know, I was planning to get it, of course, everyone knows, like, a few months ago, Adam Wesley passed away due to a battle with leukemia, which, of course, he kept it kind of private, and, of course, now, like, his thing was the man because, honestly, Adam West is a great actor. You know, he's, like I said, he's my first Batman. I always held him as a high level when it comes to Batman. He's my top Batman number two would be Kevin Conroy. 
But Adam West overall as an actor was great, you know. Um, you know, it was kind of hard for him. You know, he was Batman, and of course, after the show ended, it was kind of hard for him to get cast in anything because he was going to be tied cast as being just a hero because yeah. he was just known for that one thing. But of course, you know, he ends up doing voice work, which actually kind of helped his career go back up. You know, he was he came out and he did a voice cameo on The Simpsons. You know, and then um, was it Butch Hartman ends up bringing him in for like he did a voice of himself, like a characterization of himself in Johnny Bravo. Of course, at the time, Seth MacFarlane was working on Johnny Bravo, ends up bringing him as the Mayor Quahog for Family Guy. So of course, he got well known known because of Family Guy, and of course, he was Catman in the Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, and of course, people didn't know him as the Mayor Quahog, and of course, he ended up being good friends with Seth MacFarlane with uh, for Ward. They were still friends and. Pretty much, they were able to get together, him and Burt Warren, Julian Amor, and getting together for the DC animated movie, um, Batman and Return to Kick Crusaders. We actually brought back that campiness of Batman, but in animated form, to get that nostalgia feeling to the fans of that show. It was kind of great, and of course, you know, he Adam West was able to record his line, his dialogue for the, the movie that's actually coming out later, this, this animated feature that's coming out soon, which is Batman vs. Two-Face, which is basically a continuation of the Return to Kick Crusaders, so it's Still those 60s style Batman, but they got William Shatner playing Two-Face. So it's actually kind of interesting. So Adam, you get to hear Adam West one more time as Batman. But overall, this show is great. You know, honestly, it, yeah, it's in the 60s. It's dated. But to me, honestly, I still laugh at the jokes. I'm still, like, amazed how it was, you know. I feel like a kid again watching this show. I do recommend you guys check, check it out. It's really great. I mean, compared to the 90s show, I mean, don't get me wrong. The 90s Batman was great. You know, I, I saw when it first came out, you know, my bro, he was only a little taller when that show when the 90s Batman came out. So he had to watch it later on when they were having reruns. But, you know, um, the animation show was great. You know, it's not not bad at all. I mean, the animation was great. The actors were phenomenal. I mean, we don't want to go into the, to the animation show because we did that in the previous episode. We talked about that in full. But comparing it to that show, I mean, both shows are great. They both hold up and pretty much... The question is, Jack, basically, does this show hold up today? What do you think? Um, I think it would hold up to a certain audience. Um, I think it would hold up better with adults who were familiar with the show beforehand. Because it would just serve as a nostalgic factor. Um, but I think it can definitely appeal to kids if they were to just give it a shot. I know it's a different type of show comparing to whatever they're seeing. I don't even know what's out now. Um, but it's, it's one of those to where I, it's so, it's relatable, it's can't be, it follows a formula, and it's, it's just, it's a good, you know, it's just, it's trying to spread some good stuff to kids without having to, you know, expose them to too many things so fast. Um, I'm not saying that kid shows aren't like that now, it's just, it's a different type of show that doesn't involve having a cartoon, you know? It's like, some kids actually like to see some realism, um... I'm sure there's some kids who kind of grasp things right away, so it's like sometimes the cartoons don't appeal them. Um, I mean, even now, like I've noticed that uh, there's a lot of cartoons and stuff, but there's not a lot of live action stuff. I mean, when we were growing up, there's a Mr. Rogers, like of course there's Barney and shit, and like there's a lot, and then all the cheesy sitcoms they would show that once we grew up, we kind of understood the family situations. There was a lot more of those back then. And now I don't, like, we don't really see that anymore. It's, the sitcoms are more catered to adults. And that's fine, because it's a different type of, it's a different type of audience. But, like, I think that 
if you're trying to reach that demographic, you need to give kids more credit and, and not dumb them down so much. It's like you should throw in all these different types of themes of human, of different human circumstances and situations that, that happens in the world. And I think this Batman, this, this Batman adaptation show does, it does a good job of kind of tying things together and, and showing the relationship in, between um, Bruce and, and Dick Grayson and how important it is that his guidance is in front of him. He like We, we see that very strongly in this one. and um, We see how like they are trying to protect Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson's aunt more than actually protecting him. It's just he... We see Robin being more of an adult in this one, but he's still a teenager, and it's like he, you still see him as kind of this impatient kid. Like, when are we going to go fight out crime? I'm like, I'm bored doing this stuff and and we see Bruce kind of instill these values that like this isn't just as important as us trying to seek justice in the city like these are important because you can't forget that like these people are still human and I think that's very important in shows that to show that no matter how evil something someone or something could be you have to there's still that human side like good and good and evil is a perspective it's all it is is a perspective so th- I think this show does a great job at that, and, that's a, and I, you know, yeah, I think this show is a great example of that time period of where it captured both sides of good and evil, and try to have fun with it. Yeah, like yeah, like when Pearl Indy says, uh, yeah, there's not that many shows now. I mean, there's now the funny thing is, this was the only superhero show this time. After Batman, you know, Marvel came out with the Incredible Hulk series. You know, they had that one, that live action series. And of course, you had Wonder Woman was another live action series, but that was it. You didn't have anything else. I think in Japan they even had like Japanese Spider Man, like they had a live action series of Spider Man, but in mm. Japan. But nowadays, now I mean, comparing to now, this show will actually hold up because nowadays you got the CW, which is basically mostly now you got all these superhero shows that are coming out now. You know, you got Fox, you got Gotham, which basically is basically like a prequel of you know how these villains got their start and. Before Bruce Wayne became Batman, before put on the cape and cowl, but he's basically a kid, like a teenager, at this time. And then you got the Flash, you got Arrow, you got Supergirl. I mean, there, and you got Legends of Tomorrow, which features secondary characters that normally they don't get as much as attention. Yeah. And then you got a new show called Black Lightning, which is coming out soon. That's supposed to take place in the somewhat same universe as the Arrow universe. That's actually kind of cool. Black Lightning is kind of like almost like Static Shock. And oh, um, cool. so that's, damn static shock. Yeah, so it's a show called Black Lightning. So that's coming out sometime this year. And of course, you got the movies. I mean, now you got Marvel with all their movies now because I mean, superheroes don't get that much attention. And of course, Marvel ended up taking the big gamble with Iron Man because if Iron Man did not succeed, who knows if this whole cinematic universe will ever happen? Because if you think about it, thanks to Iron Man, superhero movies suddenly just skyrocket back up. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Marvel, they had to, you know, they opened the, they opened the portal again to kind of bring superheroes back to the, you know, the to the mainstream, run. basically, and yeah, basically they, the geeks basically took over everything because, of course, when people saw geeks and nerds, they just saw them as different, you know. But to me, honestly, yeah, I'm a geek, so I mean, I'm passionate about when it comes to comics and movies and television because that's the stuff I love. I love collecting comics. I love collecting, you know, pop dolls and playing video games because that's 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 the type of person I am. You know, I never stopped. 
But of course, it's starting to be more accepted now than it was back then. Because yeah, you get ridiculed, you get bullied, and all oh, you're different you know, just because you're getting picked on because you like this stuff. Hey, I'm an adult. I still love this stuff. I still go crazy for superhero movies. I still go crazy when the next comic of this character's coming out or the new video game that's coming out. That, you know, I've been waiting for for a long time. So, you know, like I said, with Batman, you know, kind of opened up that gate for me and self when it comes to comic books. I mean, I remember watching the old Superman Fletcher cartoons. My mom used to buy me the VHS tapes and. You know, and then, of course, the Batman and you know, the television series came out, and that got me into Batman, saying, oh, I, got, I love this stuff. And then, pretty much, you know, that pretty much was the starting point that, you know, pretty much the beginning of the pop geek, basically, for me. And I just started collecting comics and started collecting all this stuff, and like, I never stopped doing it. So, like I said, that this show actually played a big part in my life. You know, it was in rerun for what I didn't see the whole series. I saw, like, a good selection of episodes. But now, having this box set, you know, now I can actually go back and watch it all and, you know, feel like a kid again. You know, like I said, Batman will always be the superhero that actually got my attention. Don't get me wrong. I'm more of a Marvel, but it came from superhero-wise, Batman was my first. Yeah. Um, God, no, Batman's very important. And, and uh, I've told my brother this. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of DC at all. Like, I don't. And... After seeing some of these movies, I, it just made it worse. It, it just re, it's re-solidified my feelings for DC. Um, but the only character I'll ever like give, no matter what, I try my best to go see and go out of the way of is Batman. And because it's like that's the only character I like from that universe. It's like, you know, apples to oranges. But Batman's my favorite from there, right? I'm not going to limit myself to every character. Because I read different. I read from different um, publishing houses. Whether it's Dark Horse, Vertigo... Um, I think there's ID. There's, like, so many out there. So I'm not going to limit myself to to the two big boys. But, like, as far as DC goes, like, I'm not the biggest fan of them. I think it's just it's just not for me. But I do. Like, Batman's my favorite by all. So I, I hope he's sort of like a gateway into seeing, you know, different characters and trying to bring people to read comic books more and, and just kind of relate to these different characters. It's a whole other... It's a whole other universe. It's a whole other expansion of the mind. And... And I think Batman's one of the characters that, like, you can relate to the most. Um, yeah, because he, you don't have that much money. Yeah, because he's a guy that basically, yeah, he has no powers. He's just a normal guy who trained in fighting and martial arts, the idea of stealth, and pretty much used gadgets. You know, he didn't have, he wasn't born with superpowers. Yeah, he was born a rich kid, but, you know, after his parents passed away, he had, Alfred was his father figure, and pretty much he had to find a way to grow and went to the League of Assassins and pretty much learned from Rachel Ghoul and. Pretty much had to go and decide, oh, I'm going to fight crime and do this. And, you know, West for his time. Yeah, he still had the Wayne Enterprises and the Wayne Foundation. But at the same time, that was just a front because he was pretty much financing his own battle against, you know, criminals. And basically his own... He had a, he had a, he had a larger purpose than what he was already purposely doing for the world. Or the, for the city of Gotham. Yeah, Way stronger purpose. and like I said, nowadays now, it's like, yeah, that's why DC and Marvel, they decide to do all these uh, relaunchings of the universe just to get people in the comics. I mean, comics are still around. They're, ever, they're always going to be around, you know, for the rest of our lives. You it's know a mythos. They're, they're gods. They're gods. They're gods just like any other religion. It's a story that people can go on to that they, can, they relate to and they like. I mean, the character is so diverse. And, yeah, it's never going to go away. It's just you can keep trying to change and change it, and as long as that core is still there... You can still see different sides of Batman that you never think you'd see before. Um, just as depending on who are the creative minds trying to portray them on the screen. Um, 
as far as like concerning Batman, we're you know looking forward to just kind of seeing what what next produ- production house is going to do with Batman, or if we're going to actually get another series, or who knows for what's next for him. But as far as I'm concerned, I am perfectly fine catching back with the nostalgia and just seeing all the older shows from it. Like it's 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 nice to see, and it's it's nice to see how far the, the characters come and where it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. I mean, DC now, like I said, they barely jump into the boat late. I mean, honestly... Without a plan, for sure. Without a plan, because they, they even though they have rights to all their characters, they own DC, Warner Bros. owns DC, but honestly, they jumped the, they jumped the boat too late, um, too late, honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had Man of Steel, which pretty much was going to launch the whole DC universe. And, of course, it's like, oh, let's bring Batman in already, and they had Batman versus Superman, which, honestly... And it's like, oh, let's add Water Moment, let's have a cameo from The Flash, you know... It's like they brought all these characters in. Don't get me wrong, Wonder Woman. I just saw the film like a few months ago. It's fantastic. It was a great film. Wonder Woman. It's fine time that she got her due and she got her actual big screen, you know, adventure. So I mean, and of course now we got Justice League coming out in November, and believe me, it's been a production that's been had to go through reshots, and of course the original directors, um, Jack, um, Zach Schneider had to drop out due to a personal family matter, and Josh Whedon was brought in just to come back and finish up the reshots or any type of things he had to finish off, and we'll see what happens in November. I believe that's when the movie is slated to come out in November. And, of course, we got Thor Ragnarok that's coming out, I believe, around that time also. And, of course, that's bringing the Hulk back, because, of course, that's the only way to get to see the Hulk if he's with somebody else. Yeah, it's going to be Due to the whole movie, due to the Marvel movie rights. And, honestly, that's kind of like an interesting topic that I would love to discuss. Maybe we'll discuss that in a future um, episode about the Marvel movie rights, why all these characters can't appear in the same movie and why, you know, Marvel did this. So, maybe we'll talk about that probably in a future episode. So, overall, Batman the 1960 series, definitely recommend it. It's on Blu-ray. You can get it through Amazon. Or you can find it at Best Buy or even at your local retailer. Or you can buy it digitally. I think they have it available digital now also. And also, Batman the movie. Make sure to get that because that takes place after the first season of the show itself. So, you can see that continuity type of thing. And, like I said, definitely check out. I definitely recommend it. You know, get it. Sit with your kids. Watch Batman, you know, even your kids will probably love it too. So definitely recommend that. So pretty much all, thank you for listening to The Talking Pop. Make sure to check out check it out, the past episodes on Podbean. Also check out my YouTube channel, which is the Franchise Network for basically my weekly vlog of basically what I do in my life. And pretty much I do um, talk about what's going to be in the next episode of the podcast. And also a lot of things I collect, I like to share with you guys what I do in my weekly life. Um, also follow me on Twitter at the Franchise 85 if you want to tweet any topic ideas that you want me and my bro Andy to talk about make sure to tweet it, tweet me on there um and also check out my facebook page which is facebook.com slash the franchise network but i put the links to my videos and also links to the podcast from there you can post questions there or post topic ideas for me and my bro Andy to discuss so as always i'm the franchise i'm andy so as always until next time geek on and take care <laughs>